On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking with Daniel Wallach. He is a legal analyst for The Athletic, Tate. Um, most importantly, and, and the reason he's relevant, the reason we had to get him on this show, he is the guy that is following the Zion Williamson case the closest. Uh, he, he's, he's tweeting all the details as they're coming out. He's a legal expert. Um, we had to get him on because he just tweeted something yesterday about how Zion Williamson, uh, some of the evidence being presented in this lawsuit, shows that Zion Williamson was, was living in like a uh, – he was paying $900 a month for rent, his family, before he got to Duke. And then once he was at Duke, he was paying five grand a month for rent. His family was, I mean. Um, he had tweeted this. I had saw it. The internet was a buzz about all this. What does this mean? Uh, but I wanted, I wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, the guy who actually knows the details of all this. Like what is going to happen to Duke? What is going to happen to Coach K? Is Zion going to have to actually testify? We had him on the show to break it all down for us. And it's going to be one of those things where in 2018, you and I did a podcast for people that forget, and we said that Zion Williamson, this is the backdrop of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Duke has done it. This man was guaranteed to wear number, number 12. He's going to be in Phil Ford's jersey. Two years later, Gina Ford, not Phil Ford, a different Ford, uh, is involved in a lawsuit about his marketing rights. She wants to prove that he was not a student athlete. We watched him play basketball at Duke. The whole point of this is that Coach K sat down one time and he said to the world, this is a blamp. This is a blimp. And he wanted and he wanted the world to know that it was a blip. And guess what, Mark Titus? We knew all along it was a bomb. It here. was a bomb all along. So, uh, yeah, every day there's a new development, and it kind of contradicts the development of the day before, and I'm very confused. <laughs> so I thought, to hell with all of it. We have to ask Daniel Wallach what the hell's going on here. So that's what we did. Uh, speaking of stories that are changing every two every seconds. Every day, yes. That's the perfect. Uh, perfect. We're also going to, to update the newest development and the NBA coming back because – Oof, maybe the NBA is not coming back. We don't know. Who the hell knows? Um, Who knows? We're, we're going to discuss the, the latest in, in that. Uh, we're going to see where else we talk about. Uh, it is a Friday show. Those tend to get off the rails. So we'll see what happens. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, I'm going to timestamp this podcast because uh, the, the, there's a new development, it feels like, every every hour about this NBA situation, Tate. So we are recording this. It is Thursday, June 11th. It is like 1.15 in the afternoon Pacific time. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing by the time most people listen to this, uh, the NBA will be back on, and it's back to like all the players are going to come out and say the reports about us not wanting to play are false. We can't wait to get down to Orlando. But as it stands, uh, yesterday Woj tweeted – that there is, quote, growing uncertainty among NBA players about life in the bubble. You got Daryl Morey saying that the Rockets would never – there's never a scenario where, where Mike D'Antoni would not be coaching for them. Of course, that's noteworthy because the coronavirus thing, uh, it affects older people. And there's a discussion about, like, do coaches 65 and older not get a go because they're more at risk? And Daryl Morey's like, well, if that's the case, we're not sending our team to hell with that. Um, what? I was Wait, promised what? basketball. I was promised basketball, Tate. What the hell happened? They finally got me. This is this is this is driving me insane. This is the NBA in a nutshell. This is they dominate the conversation, but they they, they talk about the crazy ideas they have as a league, and then nothing happens. I can't take it anymore. What the hell is going on? We are reading the articles. The, the NBA is headline hunting. Uh, the Zion Williamson people are headline hunting. And yeah. you and I are reading the articles. And there's no substance here. There are, just, yeah. there, there are barely any pictures or words. There are barely paragraphs. There are barely sentences. And we're trying to piece it all together. And like you said, with the NBA, 
we get the headline. The NBA is back. You and I yeah. come on the show. We say, all right, that's great. It seems like everyone's excited. The format is approved. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems pretty bare bones, but there seems to be some questions. And then Adam Silver goes on TNT. They ask him the questions. He's like, stop asking me these questions. Yeah. And it sounds like the players all started talking to each other, and they had some more questions. And then they started talking to Matt Barnes and other media people. They're like, hey, some of these guys might not want to go down to a bubble for three and a half months. Yeah. What, what say you? Um, Alvin Gentry comes out, like you said, Mike D'Antoni and Alvin Gentry, they say, we're scared if we don't go to the bubble, we may lose, uh, you know, our coaching careers could be over, right? Right. Like, like people view us as too old to be coaches in the NBA and they move on and we're forgotten. That is a, a, an existential threat that is ongoing. There, there's Jokic has lost 30 pounds. <laughs> Luka Doncic has gained 30 pounds. Yes. Um, th there is so the – Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? The, the NBA is – it's a mess. It, it's a mess. In the words of the campaign and Zach Galifianakis, it's a mess. In retrospect, Adam Silver is standing on an aircraft carrier with a mission accomplished banner behind him when he announced <laughs> that the NBA was back. Might have been a little premature. Is that what you're saying? I it's oil. Y'all cook it. <laughs> Meanwhile, th there's talk of replacement players like that. Like they, they announced that they're coming back, but everything that's happened since the announcement that they're coming back smells like they're not coming back. Like it just mm -hmm. see in the, the the replacement players thing is insane, right? That 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 in and of itself is like no, here, here's why it's what? insane. It's insane because they're not even called replacement players, which would be, a, one, a great movie starring Keanu Reeves, and <laughs> another thing would be, it sounds better than substitution players, which substitution <laughs> players sounds like the TBT guys are going to win the TBT. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Whatever team wins TBT gets to go to Orlando and compete for an NBA championship. Like, I don't understand. Why not, why not just have some of the college teams go and they get like that that had their they didn't get March Madness. Let's get Dayton down there and have Obi Top and try yep. to lead the Dayton Flyers to winning the Larry O'Brien trophy. I mean, what the hell? Like what 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 is going on right now? <laughs> it is it is baffling. And then of course I we 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 overlook the best part, which is that the this this new development is that um the NBA is going to let a few reporters live in the bubble mm -hmm. under the caveat that they have to be there for the entire three and a half months, and if they leave, they can't come back. For any reason, if they if they they're basically on house arrest for three and a half months, just like the players are. Uh, so I predict that you're going to see the the narrative around this is going to flip because all the reporters are going to be like, "The hell with this! We we're, we're not signing up for that either." Um, and all the reporters are going to kind of be more against. They're they're going to stop beating the drum and saying this is the greatest thing ever. Thank God the NBA's back, and they're going to start being like, "Now hang on a second, I got to do what." To no. do my job. <laughs> yeah, no, here, here's what happened, right? They, they were sitting there, they're in their lab coat, they're taking notes, they're 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 writing their articles, they're they're learning about the science experiment ahead. It's gonna be a Disney World, we're gonna have these guys in the bubble, we're gonna have an inner island, and they're like, Oh, this sounds amazing. Let's uh let's write this whole thing down. And then they're like, and also you guys are gonna be in there. And they're like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, what, yeah. what 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 were you saying about us being in that? And they're like, Yeah, and you guys will be also in that bubble. You yeah. won't go to see your family for three and a half months, and then the whole penmanship changed, they're like uh, I think this is wrong. I think this is morally corrupt. I do not yeah, think right. this is a good idea. And uh, the players obviously have the, had those feelings. Dame Lewis had those feelings. We see Joe, ne Joe Ingles mm -hmm. come out early on. So once you put the the, the, the the physicians, whatever you want to call them, you want to put them in the experiment, they're not going to be happy about what's going on. And I feel like now that we have NBA Twitter in the bubble officially mm -hmm. and stuck in the bubble, now we're going to get some real stories, and, and that's what we wanted. That's what we needed. It's a, it's a rules for thee but not for me situation. Yes, exactly. I like to write the rules, it. but I don't want to. Uh. Yeah. 
Oh my God. And, and we still have the problem of, uh, I, I think I talked about this on the last show with the, with when Broussard came on, um, that there are like four teams that have a chance to win this thing. So you're, you're sending 22 teams down to Orlando and 18 of them, 17 of them, even 16 of them will say, no, going in, we're not going to win the championship. So now I have to go, I'm committing to basically spending at least two months away from my family. I guess some of them aren't going to make the playoffs, but like, you know, on average, you're going to be a month, a month and a half uh, away from family, living in this bubble in Disney World as made worse by the fact, I, I think weirdly enough, like the rest of the country opening up, quote unquote, uh, is making this worse because you're seeing like, like Disney World itself is going to be open, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the players had to live <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the bubble and you're seeing like all these videos of, of the, the pool party in Missouri that happened over Memorial Day weekend, like all this stuff that's going on. And I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I, it seems like that's going to be bad for the spread of coronavirus. But as a society, it, it feels like America has decided we're over it all and we're done quarantining and everyone's just going to go out and cough on each other as much as we want. Um, that seems to be where the general vibe of, of this country is, is the, the direction it's taking. And now that you're an NBA player who you're used to being uh, having, you're used to living above the rules. You're used to like, I don't have to follow the rules for anything because I'm an NBA player. I do whatever the hell I want at all times. And now it's been turned on your head. You are the one that now has to be in the bubble as you're on Twitter, on social media, and you see the rest of the world is out having fun. And you're like, I'm rich and famous. Why do I have to be in the bubble? And the, the, the normal people of the world get to go have the fun. This is stupid. And on top of this, I know I'm not going to win a championship because the Lakers and Clippers and Bucks are the only team that have any sort of chance whatsoever. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to shake out. I, I, and that's the, the whole point of the, of the whole crux of the conversation that you and I have had since all this started coming out was we thought that it was impossible because it felt like something that we were creating in a video game where Giannis Antetokounmpo is an overall 98 and his attributes are always going to be the same. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. These are not like, these are human beings. These are real people. These are, you cannot just put them in an environment where they're going to be like basically caged up and then let to go play basketball and sweat all over each other, which sounds like the worst thing that you could do. Right. And, and then go back into said room of isolation. That does not seem like the, something that I would want to sign up for being myself and not a basketball player. And if I was going to be considered a substitute player, you best believe like I'm not going to be a substitute player unless I'm going to the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks or the or, or the Celtics or one of these teams that, like you said, have a real chance to to go and win a title. I don't I don't know what the selling point is other than the fact that like LeBron or Giannis or Harden or one of these guys can find the glory that they're all eternally searching for, right? To get the validation from these fans. But if they're already going to have asterisks and fans are going to complain about the environment and say that it wasn't whatever it was supposed to be to, to determine a real title, then why are we even putting why, why are we doing this? The answer is money. The answer is always money. Anytime you're like, why is blank? Yeah. The answer is money. I understand that. But other than money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Other, throw that out. Throw all that out. Uh, because, like, honestly, like uh, the, the the same arguments were made about the NCAA tournament. It's like you can't cancel the NCAA tournament. There's too much money at stake. And then guess what? They canceled the NCAA tournament uh, because they realized this would be ludicrous to like try to play the 2020 NCAA tournament in December of 2020. Like the, the logistics just didn't add up. And at a certain point, you just cut your losses and shrug your shoulders and say it's not meant to be. Let's yeah. not jeopardize everything moving forward just to try to squeeze in one weird circumstances lead to like one chip we want to hand out one trophy i don't know um 
it, 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 it's, it's very, very strange. It just feels like, it feels like we're, we're announcing that we're going to Mars. And then it's like the president comes out and he's like, we're going to Mars. And then he turns and he's like, we have spaceships, right? Like we could, we could do that. Like that's, that's kind of what's happened. And like the, the American public are just like, we're going to Mars. And then we come to find out like we, we, we own zero spaceships and we have no idea how far is Mars. Is, is Mars close? Is it far? We have no idea. We'll figure that out later. Someone get Stanley Kubrick on the phone. We'll fake yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's film this. Uh, it's, it's also one of those things too, where it's like you say that and you say it without even like talking to players. It felt, it felt like the, it, the, yeah, right, the, right. the declaration was made. And all the players were kind of like, what are we doing? Like, where are yeah. we going? What's <laughs> happening? We're in a Disney yeah, World? Like, like the astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. We have five astronauts who signed up to fly to Mars and never come back and build a colony there. And they're like, huh? We, yeah, did, we yeah, did what now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not sign up for the Lazarus Project. Oh, man. Well, I don't, we shouldn't even spend that much time talking about it because I'm sure, you know, in, in three days, it's going to pivot back to somebody's going to say something and it's going to be back on. And, 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 and we're, we're going to be idiots. Everybody's we're like, going to be idiots. We're like, yeah, we're back. Yeah. 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 Speaking of stories that are going, that are giving me whiplash, going back and forth as to what's going on, uh, this Zion Williamson lawsuit. Again, we have Daniel Wallet coming up on the podcast. We're gonna we're gonna have him break it down. But before we talk to the expert, I figured the two idiots should discuss amongst ourselves what's mm-hmm. going on here. Um, so Gina Ford, the the, the 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 big news that broke, and the reason I'm having we're having Wallach on the pod is uh, he had tweeted about this house situation that you and I were privy to immediately. Um, we th- this is this has been those of us that are to keep our ear to the ground and bag dropping journalism know that this has been a move in Durham for a while that, that, that Duke recruits their families suddenly are living in nicer houses, whether that is circumventing NCAA rules, whether they're direct violations. I'm not saying I'm putting my hands up. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading the fifth on that one, but uh, you know, the Bagley family comes to mind Tate that Marvin mm-hmm. Bagley reclassifies. He flies mm-hmm. across the country. Suddenly his family is living in a very nice house. It might've even been the same house. Some people are saying mm-hmm. it's the same house design his family is living in. I don't know, um, but that's where we're at in this lawsuit with Gina Ford was that yesterday ev- she presented evidence, which by evidence, I mean Zillow links, just literally links to like the houses he used to live in with, with pictures, with street view pictures of the houses he used to live in. This is what he lives in now. Um, but the big takeaway was that the house he, he had in Spartanburg, South Carolina, $895 a month for the family. The house the family was living in in Durham, North Carolina, uh, or, or the Triangle area, I don't know if it was in Durham exactly, uh, was $4,995 a month. The big question is, where did that money come from? How did he suddenly be able to afford that? The house was also owned by a Duke alum. Um, I'm licking my lips at all this, but as is the case with everything with bag-dropping journalism, it, it's going to ultimately do nothing. I know that, but for this moment in time, I'm excited about the developments here. Yeah, and it's uh, this is the Duke one-and-done industrial complex. This is uh, invented circa 2010, and it was invented to curb the Harrison Barnes uh, fallout, right? It was, uh, this will never happen to us again. We lost one of our guys to those guys, which is Carolina, and we will not do this anymore. Kyrie Irving comes to town the next year. Uh, the rest is history. We, 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 we get the rundown of all the guys that we all know, Jabari Parker, mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram, Marvin Bagley, as you mentioned, all the one and dones that, we, that we've seen kind of rotate through uh, the, Duke, the Duke cycle um, or Coach K's new iteration of being a one and done um, and, and falling into the Carolina Dean Smith. Like, you know, I'm going to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, something I think that, you know, that, that was a 1980s move. Right. We, we it was, uh, you know, like a car was nice. Like you would hear the, some stories like so and so got ten thousand dollars and they also got a car. But the the house, the, the moving the family, the getting someone a job like those are real institutional changes to your family. Mm-hmm. 
And that is what the the old guard of, you know, Tobacco Road would do, right? And that's what Coach K is still doing. And it's funny because the the pay to play, right? We're all acting like this is the the newest thing on the block. We we, we can't believe this is happening. This is the old this is the old playbook. It's just this is the nicest version we've ever seen that to have a house that has five thousand a month in North Carolina, like in, in California or that's, one of the like that's that's even nice there. Like in North Carolina, that is absurd. Like an eight hundred dollar rentable house in North Carolina is a pretty nice house. Yeah. You can have a four bedroom house. Like for mm-hmm. people that are saying that he's living in some shack or something. No, that could still be a nice house. And to have what they have and that upgrade, obviously there's something that goes on there. Um you and I you know I I was I remember Zion's whole recruitment. It was a weird I remember thing. I vividly remember the podcast we did when he committed and just like we were just cackling laughing at the audacity of of everyone acting of everyone, like, yeah. like so yeah. on the nose. This was the most was on like, the nose thing ever. I, I think that's the most frustrating part because I, I made this point when we were talking about last week, I think it was last show that uh um that suddenly it's very frustrating that suddenly Duke as Duke is, is getting, you know, more stuff is kind of coming out and, and there's a lot of smoke around Duke's program with, with how they're recruiting. Uh, the, the, the public tide has turned to where everyone's just like, well, good for the players. Good for Zion. Good for, and listen, I'll, I'll speak for both of us. Tate. I don't have a problem with Zion Williamson taking money. I very much, yep. I do agree. Good for the players. I think every player should get as much as they can out of everybody. I have a problem with, uh, NCAA rules were like the biggest deal in college basketball for the longest time. And, and, and everyone's calling everyone else a cheater and the FBI thing happens. And like, it's, it's, it's such like a, uh, uh, the sanctity of college basketball is so important to everyone. And then right as soon as Duke might start to actually get something right as soon as, as K might actually start to go down and probably not, but in our heads, we're like, Oh, is it going, is it trending that way? Everyone's shrugging their shoulders saying, oh, well, you know, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. And I, for one, cannot let that happen, Tate. This, this has to, like, because not only, like, er, okay, everyone is doing it. That's, that's the rebuttal. It's like, well, who cares? Duke is doing it, but so is everyone else. Not everyone is so blatant. Not everyone is so, like, I dare you to do something about this, as Duke is. with, with <laughs> The recruitment design of Williamson was the most blatant thing I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I don't know. I, I just want something. I want some sort of. Is there no justice in this world? Is there is there no justice? We need, we need like like someone just to look at this from the outside that has no per like someone from let's from from Serbia right let's bring a Serbian basketball expert yeah. in here let's just lay out the cards on the table this kid Zion Williamson was very close to the Felton family Jalik Felton was just going to North Carolina Raymond Felton obviously went to North Carolina there were all these there was all the points to like. He, he was going to wear number 12 for Phil Ford. Like, everyone was like, oh, this is happening. Zion Whips is going to go to Carolina. And then, again, this was in November. And then by December of that year, 2017, going to 2018, all of a sudden things had completely changed. And yeah. the conversation had completely changed. And I'm not saying that North Carolina was the, the destination. I think Clemson was involved. There was mm-hmm. lots, of, lots of schools that we Kansas heard about. Kansas was obviously involved. Kansas was, was obviously <laughs> involved. We've seen that. As um, we know. And, and, um, and I think Kansas and Duke were more involved on the same level, which is Nike versus Adidas. And, uh, you know, that that is – basically for you and I, it was just like the perfect how yeah. can we not see the, 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 the powers that be here, right? Like, yeah. like Zion is in the middle of all of this. What's confusing to me is that uh, we thought we saw the report Zion Williamson might have to testify under oath that he was paid to go to Duke. Um, and then last show, obviously, we were talking about there's been a stay in court, and we're not exactly sure what that means, but uh, we, we it means like they kind of froze the process. 
So we're like, crap, is, is Zion not going to have to testify? But then now this evidence is being brought to light. So I'm confused about like all that. Um, that's why we had Daniel Wallach on the podcast. We should just, we should just talk to him. What, what, what point is it for us to, to speculate about what's going on? We should ask the expert himself. Uh, here's our interview with the man who has been covering this case from the start. Uh, he's going to explain to us what the case actually is, why it exists, why, uh, why Zion's eligibility at Duke is being called into question, all of that kind of stuff. Here it is, our interview with Daniel Wallach. Quick break to get aware from our sponsor, Bespoke. If your mailbox is anything like mine, 90% of the time it's a fairly depressing place. Political flyers, utility bills, unholy amounts of coupons. But once a month, I do have a reason to be stoked, and that's because of my box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends uh, guys like us, Titus and Tate, own the best mm -hmm. stuff every month. And no matter what you're into, a box of awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to bearware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. They, they sent me a Weekender bag that I, I, I love, Tate. I use it every time I, I go anywhere. I, I throw in my stuff into a week. I, I didn't think I was going to be a Weekender guy. I didn't think I was going to be the guy with the Weekender. I, I, I kept wearing like a backpack, like a Nike backpack I got mm -hmm. um, at Ohio State. And uh, I just, I've been using that bag for like the last 10 years. And then they sent me this saying, I get compliments on it. I am, I am that guy now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting compliments on my Weekender bag from people. Uh, thank you, Bespoke. Yeah, and you've now become a traveling hipster at this point. I'm a hipster, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it's, like it. it's great. It's the same with the car driving thing. So there we are. Uh, to get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month. They cross a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code TNT. Uh, at checkout, of course, uh, that's boxofawesome.com, code T-N-T-T-A-N-D-T for 20% off your first box. Again, that's Box of Awesome, Bespoke. Back to the podcast. All right, joining us now is a legal analyst for The Athletic. He has a podcast that is called Contract, Conduct Detrimental. He is the guy who I, I, I know him right now in this moment in time as the guy who was all over the Zion Williamson lawsuit situation with Gina Ford. Uh, his name is Daniel Wallach. Daniel, I, I want to start by asking just basically the only question I think most of us that have been tangentially following this, uh, why is Zion Williamson being sued exactly? What the hell is going on here? Well, he was the one who initiated the lawsuit. This dates, oh, really? back, this dates back to the time period when he declared for the NBA draft last May of 2019. He signed a marketing agreement with a company called Prime Sports and its president is Gina Ford. And the reason why this marketing agreement is so important uh, besides the litigation is that for a, for a professional basketball player, the first few years of your career, your on-court salary is kind of capped by the NBA salary cap. Mm -hmm. And for a player with the marketing might of, of Zion Williamson and the potential, the vast majority of his income, at least for the first you know, number of years, are going to come from shoe endorsements and off-the-court endorsements. So he signs this contract with Gina Ford, and it's a bad contract from the get-go because it doesn't allow him any right to get out of it. It's mm. essentially a contract in perpetuity. I mm. mean, this is a guy, this is a player who had all the leverage in the world. He could have chosen any marketing agent. They were lined up around the block with him uh, for him. And he chooses to go with Gina Ford, yet locks himself up in basically what is a lifetime contract under terms that really aren't that advantageous for, for Zion Williamson. And naturally, 
upon getting advice after the fact, instead of hiring a lawyer beforehand, he gets wise to the fact that this isn't a good deal and he wants to sign with CAA as his marketing agent. So mm. he files this lawsuit in North Carolina federal court um, using a, uh, a, a, and he may be right here, he, he invokes a North Carolina statute, uh, which is in pretty much in every state, the Uniform Athlete Agents Act. It, it prohibits agents and within the definition of agents are marketing agents. It prohibits those agents from engaging in any contractual negotiations or entering into a contract with a student athlete unless they are registered with the state and go through certain types of uh, you know, protocols such as filing, uh, you know, app paying an application fee, basically being vetted by the state. She never did that and yet signed them to a lucrative, you know, arrangement without ever having registered under North Carolina law. So under North Carolina law, the penalty for noncompliance is that the contract is declared null and void. Mm. So by bringing this provision into play in his North Carolina federal lawsuit, uh, Williamson was able to basically invoke this UAAA statute to set aside his contract because this, this type of statute is designed to protect student athletes from uh, unregistered agents, from unscrupulous agents. They're designed to protect the athlete. Mm. And in order to qualify for the protection of the law, all Williamson has to be is a student athlete. And that's right. defined as somebody who, who's either eligible now, eligible in the future, or, and this is going to be important, or is actually engaging in intercollegiate athletics. So by virtue of the fact that he played his freshman year at Duke, he was considered a student athlete. And uh, because some of her communications with, with Williamson's family occurred during the middle of, the fresh, of, of his freshman year, they fell right into a, you know, a, a violation of that statute because uh, they occurred at a time when he was still playing ball with Duke. So for, for us, for Tate and I, um, we are less interested in the Zion Williamson versus Gina Ford outcome. Uh, we're, we're, we're probably team Zion. We, we, we love Zion. Um, but what, what has caught our attention in this lawsuit is there's a lot of stuff trickling out. And I saw you tweeted this yesterday about, about Zion's house situation. Um, there's a lot of stuff trickling out that is catching our attention uh, because Gina Ford seems to be making this case that Zion was basically paid to go to do. And that, that, is, is is you're throwing red meat to us this is this is now now instead of like arguing about zion and gina ford we get to we get to attack the 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 duke system the the coach this 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 thing that coach k has built um so why exactly is is that part have explain explain to the people why like that is becoming a sticking point where gina ford seems to be uh you know we're seeing these reports that they're trying to get zion to testify under oath that he he accepted money to go to duke again like tate and i we're licking our lips at this why is this happening? Is that going to actually happen? How do you see all that shaking up? Well, I'm looking at my lips at this too, because this is actually, uh, you know, the biggest sports law story of 2020, of 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. The reason why it might be relevant in this lawsuit, and, and maybe it's not relevant, is that it turns on Williamson's eligibility as a student athlete. In order for Williamson to invoke this North Carolina law, he needs to prove that he's a student athlete. What, what Gina Ford is trying to accomplish here is to retroactively nullify uh, Williamson's status as student-athlete by alleging that from the very beginning of time, he received improper gifts and economic benefits 
in order to mm. incentivize him to attend Duke. So his, uh, his, his tenure at Duke was marred from the beginning, and he never should have been eligible to play uh, for Duke, and consequently is not a bona fide student athlete because mm -hmm. he was receiving improper benefits to play to play basketball there. So what she's trying to do is 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 uh, eliminate the element that he needs to establish under the North Carolina statute. Well, one of the two elements is that he's a student athlete. The other one is that she engaged in impermissible conduct. And I think it's pretty clear based on text messages which have been introduced in the in the lawsuit that she had some early contact with the family. So that's an easy element for Williamson to satisfy, mm -hmm. which now uh, puts puts Gina Ford in the position of only having one real bona fide defense, which is to eliminate his status as a student athlete. And the only oh, way okay. she could accomplish that is by bringing down the entire House of Duke. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I know that's red meat for everybody. But ask ask yourself this question: If the NCAA uh, wasn't doing this, and federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York who are investigating uh, systemic corruption in collegiate basketball weren't able to, yeah. to buy, you know, um, Williamson to improper payments at Duke. What leads anybody to believe that a marketing agent from Miami, Florida is going to basically tackle the system on her own? And, and the question really does come down to relevance. While this is an exciting and, 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 and certainly a controversial topic, Williamson's position in this case is that none of that stuff is relevant. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't even have to be denying these allegations because my status as a student athlete turns on the fact that I played in the games. Mm -hmm. You can't take that away. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, and I believe it is under my reading of the North Carolina law, then her fishing expedition really does not uh, seem relevant under the rules of discovery. Well, the one thing she has that the FBI doesn't is Zillow links. I think that's important to, <laughs> to, to acknowledge that she. she <laughs> yeah, but one thing Williamson has on his side that she doesn't with the Zillow links is the federal rules of evidence. And, yeah. and simply scraping the internet mm -hmm. in lieu of having direct proof. I'm not quite so sure that that uh, satisfies the standard for admissibility at trial. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly uh, in discovery early on in the case, uh, you can go on somewhat of a fishing expedition, but she has brought no independent evidence here except innuendo by, by, by going to Wikipedia pages, Zillow profiles, uh, fan <laughs> websites, and by pointing to the fact that you know her family or his family basically moved from a $900 a month a uh, simple, uh, you know, small house in South Carolina to a million dollar mansion in North Carolina. And, and, and they have three cars. And all this happened within a short period of time, which, by the way, happened to coincide with his tenure at Duke University. So she's using um, basically innuendo and public domain material to try to establish something for which she lacks any direct evidence. And good luck with that. Good luck with that. Let's go back to, let, let's hope there is some good luck. And let's go back to dismantling the House of Duke. And let's talk about that because one of the things, the student athlete part of this is, is the most interesting part. And he would, you know, he played. So you were saying that's probably going to be hard to disprove because he actually played the games. But if we look at the, the, the situation with Coach K, his testimony is warranted because of our favorite interview. And Mark Titus, we remember this. The FBI, they come out, they, they show the chart. This is how this the, the big game works. We know your playbook. And Coach K was asked about it, and he said he thought it was more of a blip. Um, and, then, and then this was pointed out 
by Gina Ford as a reason why the, the, the testimony should be warranted because he said that it was a small time thing, but there were phone calls where payments were being made. How much of this do you think is actually getting to Coach K? Is, is this something that he's aware of? Does he know this is being discussed in your, or is it just like complete fodder, innuendo, internet research, all that sort of stuff we were just talking about? Well, I, I think Coach K and Duke are particularly uh, attuned to what's going on in this litigation because they're, you know, Duke has a legal department, mm-hmm. and these headlines have, have basically created a risk for Duke that didn't exist a couple of weeks ago. So Coach K, if he's not following my Twitter feed, probably should. Uh, <laughs> but they're certainly gearing up for the anticipated battle over whether Coach K and other um, other. Um, members and and individuals with Duke University have to give testimony in this case. And what will likely happen, and and we're not days away or even weeks away from this, uh, the North Carolina federal case is somewhat at the very early stages and the parties have yet to agree to a a sort of a schedule for discovery that gets approved by the court. So we won't know uh, for at least another couple of weeks when certain depositions are going to be requested, who will be requested. We just know that, they, that, that Gina Ford's lawyers have laid out their position in black mm-hmm. and white in yesterday's court filing that they feel that they need Coach K's deposition. They're probably going to subpoena Duke for records and start going on a fishing expedition because they don't have any direct evidence of, of payments made to Zion Williamson. So they're going to dig deep, dig deep, and try to follow the money trail and use the federal court discovery process to accomplish those objectives. But I believe that if and when these discovery notices are served on Coach K and other members of the Duke family, uh, they will swiftly hire counsel and file a motion for a protective order against Uh this kind of discovery because getting back to the definition of student athlete under the UAAA, that's really important here. If Williamson is a student athlete simply by virtue of the fact that he played his freshman year and that's enough, then everything else regarding his eligibility, whether his stay at Duke was tainted, uh, that falls outside the bounds of relevance. It's not relevant to the question of whether he's a student athlete because he has established that already by virtue of engaging in the intercollegiate game. So I think there will be a discovery battle early on as to whether this is even a proper ground of examination. Can, can you clear up the uh, the the North Carolina versus Florida thing? Is this is this the case in North Carolina? Is in Florida? They, we saw the reports that there was a stay in the case. Whatever. It would, first of all, what does that even mean? Um, it, 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 I thought the trial was put on hold, but now they're they're bringing it back. Can you kind of like explain what what's going on there? Well, we have four cases. There, there there's oh okay. There's one. In uh, North Carolina federal court, three in Miami-Dade County, Florida. Oh, okay. And the reason you're split between two different states like that is Zion Williamson, for obvious reasons, wanted to avail himself of the favorable North Carolina statute that allows student yeah. athletes to void contracts with unregistered athlete agents. For so for obvious reasons, he wants to file a suit in North Carolina. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he can't use that law elsewhere. Well, right. he might be able to. He might be able to convince a, an out-of-state court to apply North Carolina law, but he has a much better chance of having that applied in a North Carolina federal court with a North Carolina federal judge. And given the fact that his conduct and his, his everything took place in the state of North Carolina. So that's mm-hmm. why he filed there. Gina Ford, for the same obvious reasons, does not want to litigate this case in North Carolina because mm-hmm. of that problematic law. So she structured 
the, this marketing agreement to have a choice of law provision, which specified Florida law as the governing law. And by what final, a contract. She wrote a great contract. They're just, yeah, they're fighting over home court advantage, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. is, is the... not, not only that, no, it gets better. If, if you read through some of the text messages, messages that have been introduced as exhibits, the lawyer who's representing Gina Ford currently, Willie Gary, he's uh -huh. the you know, famous trial lawyer who's Ford's counsel. Ford tried to foist him on Zion Williamson uh, a little bit over a year ago to represent the family in the contract <laughs> negotiations. So the guy who was supposed to be Williamson's counsel is now the one who's suing Williamson in federal court on behalf of Gina Ford. Uh, that's how, does, how, how does this happen? How does Gina Ford <laughs> sink her claws so deep into Zion Williamson? How, do, how does she convince him? Do, do, do you have any idea how this, how he even got put in this position? Well, you know, the, the whole world of athlete agents is pretty much the Wild West. This yeah. is not like, uh, you know, they're not subject to the jurisdiction of the NCAA. They don't fall under federal criminal laws. They're basically governed by a patchwork of state by state uh, uniform athlete agent act statutes, which may or may not be vigorously enforced. So <laughs> they get their hooks into the athletes pretty early on. And, and here, all she had to do was register as, a, as an agent. If she did that in North Carolina, then she could have met with him all day long. Wow. Uh, the problem is that um, the, 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 the contract itself is inherently unfair and it lacks the required disclosure. So I think what happens is the really good agents, the powerful agents, the CAAs of the world, they're able to play by the book because they have the reputations and experience and, and references. Mm. The land athletes of the magnitude of, of Zion Williamson, someone like Gina Ford or others without that kind of track record have to be a little bit more aggressive in their recruitment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think about who Zion Williamson is and his level of education and his parents level of education, they're not exactly, uh, you know, sophisticated in the business and legal world. And they're dealing uh, at an inherent disadvantage with a sophisticated marketing agent who has her own outside counsel and drafts the contract. Mm -hmm. So the player is at a decided procedural disadvantage because he's basically a minnow. Uh, even though we're talking about Zion Williamson, he's still an 18-year-old kid, and the family isn't really all that sophisticated when it comes to the legalities and the meanings of contractual provisions. Hiring any lawyer would have led to them recommending to the Williamson family, don't sign this deal. It's a horrendous contract. You can't get out yeah. of it. Uh, so it, it sounds like you think that that Gina Ford is more in the wrong here, and that Zion has the better, stronger case. Um, I don't well, root. I, I don't root. Yeah, I yeah. One of the one of the things that I one of the attributes that I like to bring to the table is that I'm opinionated. And yeah. I sound like I'm coming out on one side of it, and but that's only because it's where the facts and the law lead me to conclude. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't have a stake in this. I don't care. I mean, I do. I do want to see the right result here. But yeah. Quickly, my reading of the facts and the law. I didn't mean to suggest that. Yeah, you're pulling for design or anything, but the, the way you're reading it, it seems to be that Gina Ford is throwing a lot of stuff against the wall to see what sticks. Um, but when, when, when you think about it, think about her effort at trying to nullify his entire collegiate career. Yeah. Well, on the yeah. one hand, and and she's valuing uh, that contract on the basis of his achievements at Duke. But She's if she does, if she does nullify it, then Zion and that team didn't fall short of the final four. Like everyone will make fun of them forever for by saying you guys choked and didn't make the final four. Now, if it's nullified, they technically it never had choke. It never yeah. happened. It yeah. never. Ha um, so 
Okay, so it, you feel like it's trending towards Zion is, is going to win this, whatever, whatever that means. Um, but more to our purposes here, what are the chances, do you think, that this, this test of testimony under oath, that the Zion Williamson will have to, under oath, declare whether or not he was paid by anyone representing Duke University to attend, he, whether he, he received impermissible benefits? What are the chances you think that's going to happen? Well, greater than zero, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but something south of fifty percent, and there are there are two ah. reasons. There, there are two reasons why. I mean, I, I, believe me, I, I would love to sort of be a fly on the wall in that deposition and re- yeah. be, report on it and come onto your podcast and uh, start making yeah, the waves, that. you know, <laughs> the, the radio shows nationally. But believe me, that would be fun for me. But the reality is, there are two gauntlets that Gina Ford has to be able to survive in order to get to that position. Number one, Ford has, I'm sorry, Williamson has filed a motion for partial judgment on the pleadings to basically secure him an outright victory right now. Uh, mm-hmm. That that motion uh, will be ready to be decided uh, by Judge Briggs in North Carolina in roughly two to three weeks. Uh, Williamson gets one more brief that he gets to file. But so, so by the time July rolls around, we could have a decision on the merits granting Williamson an outright victory based upon a, a violation of the North Carolina Athlete Agents Act. And if that happens, then there are no depositions. The case falls apart. All of mm. the other claims collapse. So she's got to survive that gauntlet. Number two, uh, there will be admissibility and relevance challenges. Before deposition can be set, Williamson uh, and his legal team and, and others will be filing motions for protective order uh, and arguing that this uh, line of inquiry is irrelevant to the claims and defenses in the case because he's already established his status as a student athlete by virtue of playing in the games. And, and that's made pretty clear in the definition of student athlete under North Carolina law. Uh, you know, his eligibility, his eligibility might be relevant if that's what he was uh, hanging his hat on, but he's hanging his hat on the part of the definition that grants him student athlete status simply by playing. Mm. And um, so she'll have to overcome this motion for judgment and she'll have to win the discovery motion. So she's got to basically run the table. I'm going to spin on this. It sounds like we might have a March Madness situation after all. The tournament was canceled, but now we have the the the, the underdog taking on Duke is what's happening in the courtroom. And America is just going to watch, and we're going to cheer for the underdog. It's, it's, it's Mercer all over again. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, instead of a round of 64, we're down to a round of two. And, yeah. and she's, got to, she's got to win the play-in game. And then win the second game in order to get Williamson and potentially be, coach K under oath. To be clear, you don't you don't want to cheer for anybody. I think I'll speak for myself. I am cheering for Zion to win this lawsuit. Like I think uh, everything you're telling me, it sounds like it's bullshit, and Zion should not be taken advantage of like this. But I'm also cheering for him having to get on the stand and say yes, I accept the money to go to Duke. That is the perfect outcome. That is what I'm rooting for, and I, I really hope it happens. But uh, it sounds and, like it's not going to happen. Listen, I want the right result here, but yeah. in a reverse sort of way, um, keeping this case and story alive as a national story for the next three, four years, I mean, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I would imagine that 2020 will be the last year of the Zion Williamson versus Gina Ford case, unfortunately. This will not have the legs of Deflategate, uh, you know, sorry to say. I, I don't know if this is your specialty, Daniel, uh, the, how much you've been following the, just the FBI situation in college basketball in general. But this seems to be a recurring theme for Tate and I, is that we, we get our hopes up, we see the headline, we say, oh my God, that this guy's going down, this big program's going down. And then the legal process happened, appeals are filed, denial, like everybody's denying everything. 
and then the waters get muddied and then the dust it's settles over. and yeah. like nothing happens and we're, we're looking at each other like what the hell like the, the fbi like they, they literally had a press conference they're like we know your playbook we're coming for all of you and basically nothing has happened um Again, I don't know how well versed you are in all this, and I, I don't want to put you in a position to speak on something you don't. Uh, well, I mean, I follow, I follow, I follow yeah. some aspects of it, but I'm, I'm certainly not well. Yeah, but like, the, can, can you speak the to just the, the? Can you speak to just like the legal process, like why this keeps happening? That like appeals are like, I mean, it, what what do we have to do? What can Tate and I do to to see to it that that something actually happens here? Well, I mean, just like uh, a lot of us, we all want instant gratification, instant results, but the investigative yeah. process. And the work of, of the FBI and federal prosecutors, I mean, they keep these cases and investigations going on for, for a couple of years. So we don't know what they're looking at right now. We don't know what future cases might be brought. The cases yeah. that were brought at the onset back in 2017, those weren't the only cases. There were a few more uh, you know, prosecutions you know, brought later. And, and, and when more and more you know, witnesses start giving up uh, you know, other people, that might lead to you know, further criminal inquiries. So I mean, I, I don't know it, but it, do, it does underscore the fact that the NCAA isn't really at the cutting edge of trying to root out all corruption. No, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah that, uh, isn't that shocking? They're not, they're not trying to hurt their own product. Who would have thought? Exactly. So, but for the work of federal prosecutors in the New York federal courts, we wouldn't know about any of these things. And, um, you know, so I, I think just be patient. I don't know if there's another shoe that's going to drop here. Yeah. Uh, unintended. Uh, but I think these are open investigations and, uh, you know, th there might be other characters, other schools, uh, other individuals that are, you know, brought to justice here. So uh, I, I just simply don't know. And certainly these rumors and innuendo about Zion Williamson, all of this stuff has been in the public domain. There's not one shred of evidence that Gina Ford has cited in her papers that any of us couldn't have found by looking at, you know, Zillow, <laughs> Wikipedia or by reading <laughs> the news reports about the uh, conversations uh, between Merle Code and, and the assistant coach of Kansas. She's essentially putting together a, a news article to support her claim of pay to play. So, um, you know, that's what we do on the show. That's how we operate too. So that's why we, I think that's why we like it. We, so much. we, we should have been her lawyers. So yeah, it, we could have. <laughs> well, again, to be, to be quite honest, uh, you couldn't have done that much worse. Than, uh, <laughs> good. Uh, oh. as, as a federal court litigator, I know what good federal papers look like and I, and I really don't mean to insult them. Uh, because I, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hurt anybody here, but the quality of their papers is not what I would consider to be exceptionally strong. I think they're good trial lawyers, but mm. they're not really talented in presenting uh, their best arguments in writing in a pretrial phase. And when you're in federal court, uh, that's what's really important. It's you, you don't get to orally argue these motions in front of judges. They are decided strictly upon written submissions. Uh, we, we appreciate you making time for us, Daniel. Um, before we let you go, I, I do have one other question. Uh, I, I know that you, one of your specialties is gambling, like covering the legal process of sports gambling, all that kind of stuff. Um, the FBI, as we've touched on already, the FBI situation in college basketball has been a big disappointment from the standpoint of content, of stuff for Tate and I to talk about. Uh, might we see a point shaving scandal in the future? When can you put, when, like, I, we were, we were, putting our heads together trying to think of like what can save us from the FBI stuff. College basketball has a, has a storied history of point shaving. I'm worried that this name image likeness situation, like when guys actually start getting money in their pocket, um, the, the need for point shaving will go away. Uh, but I feel like college basketball is due for like a big time point shaving scandal. What, what do you say here? 
Well, point shaving isn't necessarily limited to individuals who are getting paid for their name, image, and likeness. There are plenty of individuals on a team uh, that could shave points or equally equally problematic share non-public information with the betting community. I mean, if mm -hmm. you know that a particular player is hurt or is uh, you know, being disciplined by the coach because he didn't go to class, not that that ever happens, but uh, there's inside info and, and ways that the results or at least the outcomes can be slightly altered and manipulated by the participants in the game. And you didn't need to have legal sports betting for that mm -hmm. to be a risk. Mm -hmm. I think when you have legal sports betting, and more people are gambling and, and, and more money is being wagered on these games, both uh, across the country and in total aggregate amount of the bets, I think you, you increase incentives to corrupt the games. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when you bring all of this offshore and illegal sports betting into the public you know, sunlight, so to speak, and you're able to, you know, regulators and operators can see what's taking place in terms of gambling activity, I think it's easier to detect corruption than, than previously existed because you didn't have those kind of tools in being able to monitor uh, wagering in the illegal market. Now you have those tools, but the problem is there's going to be so much more gambling, so much more sports yeah. betting, more people betting on sports. Uh, imagine being on a college campus. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, the thousands of people who live in dormitories or attend classes with students, uh, with, with basketball players, football players, now have inside information. And mm -hmm. it creates a, a boatload of integrity risks mm -hmm. um, you know, for, the, for, the, for the schools, for the NCAA, even for the betting companies and, mm -hmm. for the, and for the players and for the students. So I would say the risk is heightened. And with or without legal sports betting, uh, point shaving scandals have been as much of, as a part of the fabric of the history of college basketball as you know, the <laughs> tournament has been. I mean, yeah. you, have, you have the City College CCNY scandal from 1950. You have, mm -hmm. um, I think it was Arizona State, 94. Rick Kuhn, Boston College, late mm -hmm. 70s, early 80s. I mean, these are the ones that these are only the ones we know about. Right. Imagine. I mean, that's what I, I it's been a while. I feel like we're due. I feel like we're due for a big one. Um, and and I think that's what we need. I think that's what Tate and I need as a show because I think the FBI thing has just been a big dud and we just need something that's going to. Yeah. That, that, well, you make it your wish. I wouldn't, about. you know, just, just, <laughs> just like with criminal prosecutions of schools, uh, don't look for instant gratification here. This is yeah. going to be long play. Just be patient. And, All right. And, and I think there's some risks inherent uh, in collegiate basketball because these athletes don't get paid. Uh, and now right. there are going to be so many incentives mm -hmm. uh, to cheat and to alter the the outcomes that I think it's uh, over the course of time there will be another scandal. When, where, with whom, I guess remains to be seen. But as long as the regulation of sports betting is handled on a state-by-state -state basis rather than under an integrated national framework, I think there are going to be some vulnerabilities that, that, that exist by virtue of the fact that the states don't communicate with, with one another. So you can lay your action all over the country mm -hmm. and not attract the same kind of, uh, you know, red flag as if you would place all of your money, you know, you know, in, in one casino. Mm -hmm. So I think there are, there, there are subtle ways that, that betters or at least, you know, syndicates might be able to conceal 
uh, you know, the amount of action that's going on on the game while being able to still corrupt the game itself. So this could ultimately lead to a federal regulatory approach with national regulation of sports betting. But right now, uh, we're on a state-by-state regulated approach, and that could be dangerous. That sound you hear is all of our listeners rewinding to hit to- Yeah, how do you do, how do, you do this? <laughs> they're just like, well, let me write that down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, his podcast <laughs> is called Conduct Detrimental. His name is Daniel Wallach. We appreciate you making some time for us. Uh, you've been killing this, Zion. Uh, plug your Twitter handle. Tell everyone uh, where to follow you on Twitter so they can follow along on all the developments of Zion. Sure, thank you very much for the plug. It's at- Wallach Legal, W-A-L-L-A-C-H-L-E-G-A-L, or just go on to Twitter and type Zion Williamson in yeah, the search box, <laughs> yeah. and then my tweets will be the first ones you see. So either of those two approaches should work. Well, we appreciate you making time for us and explaining this complicated uh, situation to us two idiots. Uh, we, we really do. Dana Wallach, thank you so much, man. Uh, it was my pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much, Tate. Thank you very much. It was a, just a joy to be on your show. Thank you for having me on. Oh, man. Well, just as uh, I suspected, Tate, it looks like uh, nothing's going to happen to Duke. They're going to get away with it, as always, and uh, as is tradition. Cue, cue the Jesse Pinkman. They can't keep getting away with this. Yeah, I, I, all yeah. I could think of as uh, as he was breaking down, uh, Daniel Walk was breaking down all of the, the different iterations and stays and motions and all these things, grievances that will be filed moving forward. All I could think in my mind is that I think the, the new term and the thesis statement of this podcast, I end up college basketball in general, eventually. Eventually, eventually, eventually there will be. It's like it's like eventually, or or we we should start like reading the headline and then just say for now, for now, and then and then discuss like what's going to happen eventually, like Mm -hmm. because that's those are the two. It's for now and eventually. So for now, Zion Williamson may have taken this house, but eventually he's probably nothing's gonna. I don't know. But then he's like, yeah, but then maybe not. Maybe there will be an upset. Maybe Gina Ford will get. I don't know. I, I want to reiterate, I do not want, because uh, everything I'm reading about the case and everything he's explaining to us, it seems like Gina Ford is uh, not in the right in all this and is trying to swindle the Williamson family, and, and I don't like that at all. So I, don't I don't like that either. I hope Zion wins the lawsuit, but I hope in his path to winning, he has to at some point get up on the stand and say, yes, I got the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be really cool for Zion to one. I, I think you know we saw all the disassociations from USC. They're they're all getting knocked out. Like Reggie Bush mm-hmm. is back, OJ Mayo is back. I think it would be cool for Zion to be the first player to disassociate with the university he mm-hmm. went to. Like he's the one that says like I don't want to associate with Duke because they used me and uh, put me in the situation now where I'm I'm in a lawsuit and yada yada yada. I don't want to associate with Duke because I think one. I already love Zion Williamson as a basketball player, and that's against everything that I stand for as a basketball fan. And if he were able to disassociate from Duke, be the greatest Duke defector of all time, mm-hmm. and also share that he got the bag, which is what we all respect. We, we saw that in the, in the doc, in the HBO doc. You know, we always respect who gets the bag. So if he does that, becomes the face of Duke defection, I think this everyone is what We, we got to figure out who is the Rashad McCants of Duke that will, that will sing. That will we uh, is it Josh McRoberts? Yeah, 100%. The guy setting screens while the other guy shoots threes the entire game. The guy who's like, the number one recruit in the country yeah. that had to just grab his balls and stand there for J.J. Reddick to curl around. This. Yeah. And let Sheldon Williams take all of his rebounds. He's like, yeah, I think I'm out. <laughs> and then Kay made him come back yeah. just to do it again. <laughs> yeah, he's like, one more year. <laughs> Josh, uh, I, yeah, I, I know Josh. Josh was on our a, my uh, my AU team. We could get Josh out here. Carmel, Indiana, right? That's yeah. Josh would Josh would uh, 
Josh would have a good time, I think, on the program. Um, or or Greg Paulus, right? I mean, he had to go play Paulus, quarterback at Syracuse. Uh, Paul, Paulus is not. Paulus is drinking the Kool Aid forever. <laughs> Paulus is too. Yeah, McRoberts is the guy. McRoberts is. I feel bad for Josh because he was like he's so Duke on the outside. He's just like a white. He's from Carmel, Indiana. It's like the richest town in in Indiana. Um, he's he's obviously a white dude. He's just like got the preppy sort of feel to him. But if you know Josh at all, like he is very not cut from that cloth. He is not him and him and Greg Paulus. As you're watching a play, they feel like they're the same guy. Kind of, they feel like they should be like a great tandem. They feel like Leitner and Hurley, just not yeah, as good. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Josh is like to hell with all this. This is. Yeah, not my scene. I was promised. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. Josh McRoberts, to me, there were two point forwards in the modern era that I think really uh, changed the way basketball was played. It was LeBron James playing point forward, <laughs> and it was Josh McRoberts playing point forward. It was Josh McRoberts clotheslining close uh, LeBron James in the playoffs as man. the Bobcats are getting swept by the Heat for the fifth consecutive year. Is it yeah, no. <laughs> or it's, either, it's either the magic or the Heat if they've made it. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Oh, man. Anyway, the big take-home point, uh, it looks like Duke's going to get away with it, and this is very frustrating because Coach K, beyond all the, beyond all the reasons of like Duke getting away with it for so long, the Lance Thomas stuff, the Corey McGetty stuff, like we've, we've been down this road before, Tate. It's that it's not just that K's getting away with it. It's that he's got this, this the leader of men persona that like, I, am, I exemplify the, the, the greatness of college basketball. Follow my lead. I am the model citizen. I, I go into opposing teams' locker rooms and give them speeches, and 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 I, I lecture everybody about the sanctity of college basketball. Meanwhile, my players are getting the bag, and I I just want to see it all get blown up, and it's not going to happen. And goddamn, is that frustrating? <laughs> what, what what I will say is that the uh, the the player empowerment era, I think, and also the fact that screenshots and uh, just just the the media world that we live in, I think some of these older coaches are not as savvy. I think we do have a chance of something happening. You know what I mean? Like a, a text, I will say a this or, as or, someone as as someone pointed out to me, uh, everyone was saying the same thing about Pete Bell, uh, the Western head coach in Blue Chips, played the game the right way, did it the right way, uh, started dropping the bag late in his career, as we all know. Um, stressed them out and then resigned in a, in a press conference and, and shame, you know, mm-hmm. like he had a very, uh, very quick exit, a very, um, shameful exit. <laughs> <laughs> they, they beat Indiana, right? They beat number one in Indiana. And then in the post game press conference, he's like, I, I am a disgrace to the sport. I resigned. So, you know, there is precedent. Bobby Knight was standing right there. And he was like, yes, you are. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes you are. Absolutely. There's precedent. That is the good news. The bad news is the precedent is fictional, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's kind of like remember the Titans. Like we'll take uh, what we can get. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Shout out to closeouts. What do you have? Uh, shout out. Twenty three years since the uh, the flu game, now known as the poison pizza mm-hmm. game, or the we don't know what the hell happened uh, game. Yeah, uh, we want to talk about like for now and eventually, and like more <laughs> questions than answers. That is the all time story for me. Yeah, and I think uh, twenty three years later, it is ironic uh, that we're going to have a tournament that is based around you know a, a flu type you know mm. stinting thing. So like, who knows what the flu game will ever mean in the context of the fact that it was debunked, but not really debunked. So twenty three years. Shout out to MJ and shout out to uh, that whole made up mythology again. That, that was fictional. Now we learned that. That was also <laughs> fictional. Great. Oh, my God. I want to shout out uh, Jungle Jack Hanna retiring from the Columbus Zoo. He has been in mm. charge of the Columbus Zoo forever. He is a man who I knew well before I moved to Columbus because I watched David Letterman growing up, and he would go on Letterman shows and bring his animals. And uh, he was a perfect foil for David Letterman, who was like the – 
Letterman would play the curmudgeon role, and Jack Hanna was like the big doofus with the the lemurs that was like rubbing Letterman's hair and all that kind of stuff. And it was hysterical. And then I moved to Columbus, and I learned that Je- that Jack Hanna is like a, a, a titan of industry. He's an icon. He is a a Columbus hero. Um, I saw the re- I saw the news today that he's retiring at the end of the year. He has turned Columbus, Ohio, into one of the great zoos in this country, which on the surface makes no sense. You want to talk about like bring a guy over from Serbia, bring a guy from Serbia, ask him who has the best zoos in this country. I guarantee Columbus, Ohio is not in his top 50 answers. Why would it be? But Jack Hanna made it one of the best shoes in the country. So shout yeah. out Jack Hanna. Yeah, unfortunately, that kid's going to have watched Netflix and say Joe Exotic. And we're yeah, all going to be like, right. like no, 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 not that guy. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. totally different guy. Not not who we want there. Uh, uh, shout, out, shout out to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, speaking yeah, yeah, great uh, city. Yeah, the TBT tournament's going to be there. and uh, It is, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just feel like Columbus, there's a lot of good PR going on with, with Columbus. I should move Ohio there. Right now. Why not? I'm paying. <laughs> you want to talk about paying rent? Like your rent skyrocketing. I move out to LA to do my job from my mm-hmm. apartment. Why don't I go back to Ohio and live mm-hmm. on, you know, save some money? And I could, I could do, I could. Who, who would have thought we 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 joked about how great yeah. it's going to be to do a podcast face to face? Yeah, uh, you moved to LA and here we are. We're doing podcasts. Might as uh, well go back. Time. Go back home. <laughs> That'll be the time to do it. I could take over Jungle Jack's job. Yeah, IUPY. There's another shout out. I want to give a shout out to uh, Byron Rim, who is the uh, he, he was the interim coach, I think, at IUPY. He is had the interim label removed for now. For now, uh, IUPY job has been locked up, so he's going to be the coach. Um, his last name's Rim. How do you feel about that? I don't think that I don't think I feel like there's some bad vibes there. Like I don't know if you want your coach to be named. Like it reminds me of the kicker named Blewett, right? Mm-hmm, What's that mm-hmm. kid's name? Yeah, Chris Blewett is that? His, I don't forget his name. I can't remember, but yeah, I know you're talking about. But you don't. You want, you want your. He should change his name to Net or something, right? Like or Swish. Byron Swish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are all better than. Yeah. You have to make shots, and he's already his name alone is yeah. not making shots. You know, so. I mean, honestly, Brick is better than Rim. You know, <laughs> yeah. Brick, Brick, Brick has a stronger. Yeah. Yeah, like know. lean into it. Brick. Yeah. She should just change his first name to Brick Rim. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was like an old Scott Brick Ottinger, or, and he was like a like, and that was like one person in basketball. And it's kind of like, oh, I remember that name. And uh, yeah, Rim yeah. doesn't seem like it's gonna hit. Um, but the IUPUI job has been uh, claimed, so maybe I'll I'll move to Columbus and become the the director of the Columbus Zoo. Maybe I could do it that way. <laughs> maybe that's the job for me. <laughs> this sounds perfect. I mean, as we're as in college basketball, we're learning. Uh, we we've been waiting for the final, like you know, here it is, we got them. And yeah. and as we have to keep waiting, we need other things to keep us entertained. Uh, yeah, so you right. being running a zoo would probably be good. Like, that's like yeah. a good four year window. Yeah, uh, perfect. Why not? Uh, anything else you got? I don't. I uh, shout I, out to Zion Williamson for entertaining I, us. I want to rescind my shout out to the celebs. I gave the celebs a shout out on the last show. I was just saying, like, I haven't seen them. I don't know what they're up to. Uh, I hope they're doing okay. I hope they're out there thriving. Uh, and then today we get the video that the celebs, the black and white video that the celebs make, um, that was basically the Imagine video, but for the Black Lives Matter movement. And mm-hmm. let me just say, Celebs, I take it all back. You, you do not get a shout out. I'm, I'm rescinding the shout out that I gave to you. Uh, you're doing too much, celebs. Celebs, calm down, celebs. Let's close out. Let's close out the celebs. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's a very fair point because I think whenever it's like, how many times have we tried to redo the Imagine video? It only know, worked. Yeah. It, it's like, <laughs> that would that should be the one and done. The Imagine video, like we did it once and it's done. Like just yeah, yeah, it's you all would, good. You would think that, that we would learn from mistakes, but um, yeah. So I rescind my shout out to the slips. That's all I got. Um, yeah. Shout out NASCAR too. Band of the Confederate flag. Uh, that, that is, that is a great move. I I'm a fan of that. That is a, uh, you're a guy from the South. I'm a racing fan. This is, this is a, uh, are you an NASCAR guy at, at any point in your time in, in your life? Have you been an NASCAR guy? 
I would say I went to two NASCAR races because that's uh, North Carolina things that you do, I guess. Uh, but those mm. are both things that I did not want to go uh, do at the time. <laughs> uh, my cousins and, and relatives were boot uh, bootleggers back in the day uh, mm. that, that would drive from Iowa to North Carolina. So I think that's what NASCAR was founded so they on. They were so. NASCAR guys before NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 didn't do, yeah. they didn't do it for a sport. They did it for uh, life, I guess. That's a great call. You're a NASCAR hipster. You're like, I was into NASCAR. And then before it was back, like back, formal. Back when we drove away yeah. from the, the, the feds and things. And then once they made it like a formal thing, I was like, this is too much. I Not for it. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, all right. That's the show. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Shout out to Zion Williamson. Thank you to Daniel Wallach for coming on the show, breaking us, breaking all that down. Um, see you guys next week. Peace.